It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team... Every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Prize Picks, making daily fantasy sports easier for you and better for you overall. We are going to dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder falling to 0-3 despite Jeremiah Robinson Earl's groove getting jump-started in this one. Plus, Trey Mann played better than the box score indicates, and... The injury bug is hitting the Thunder particularly hard to start this season. So let's start that we always do with our game overview of this contest, of course. It was the home opener. Great atmosphere in the Paycom Center. It was a great environment. Uh, the, the crowd was, was pretty full for the home opener on Sunday. And they were loud in certain moments of the game. You know, the, the transition dunk by Wiggins. Um, from Trey Mann, the Poku putback layup was a, a moment that got them on their feet. But the Thunder team could never get to that point where the, where the crowd could erupt the way that they wanted to. They'd get within nine, they'd get within four, but they could never just quite get the game tied or take the lead. And, and, and it was kind of that crowd getting right to that edge, but not getting being able to just take the roof off of the Paycom Center. But it was a good crowd um, on Sunday, which is very encouraging after the preseason crowds at the Paycom Center were not great but they also were not playing NBA teams during those games. So that's a tough measurement to, to judge it on, even though, of course, that was preseason. That was different than what we saw on Sunday. So SGA was out in this game with a hip contusion. He suffered that injury in the fourth quarter against Denver on Saturday. So the second leg of a back-to-back, he did not play after he gave it a go in pregame warm-ups. Um, the warm-ups that you know, we saw were, were him kind of just doing like these one-handed push shots that, that he was shooting um, 
he could have been doing more, of course, during uh, the press conferences or whenever we weren't on the floor or whatever, uh, but he did not give it a go in this one. Josh Giddy left the game in the middle of the game with a right ankle sprain. And then, of course, you know that Jalen Williams is out with an overall uh, bone fracture. He's out 7 to 10 days from Friday at least. That's when he's going to get reevaluated. And then Chet Holmgren is out for the season with a foot injury. So you name those guys, SGA, Josh Giddy, Jalen Williams of Santa Clara, Chet Holmgren. Those guys, that's that's four of your, what, five best players? That is your your top four best players? I mean, where, where do you want to put Jalen Williams in that becomes the conversation. Uh, but that's four of your top five guys. And you can argue four of your top four that you're missing. So obviously this team was going to struggle a little bit. Um, even while the Thunder were able to uh, start Josh Giddy, Trey Mann, Lou Dort, Kenny Hustle, Jeremiah Robson Earl, uh, the, the, the main minute lineup was really, you know, Trey Mann, Lou Dort, Aaron Wiggins, Jeremiah Robson Earl, Usman Jang, you know, not in that order, but those are guys that kind of filled in um, the minute load after you saw SGA go out, if you saw Josh Giddy go out, you know, and of course not having Williams or Holmgren. The biggest story from this game to me was Jeremiah Robinson Earl because he got back into his groove and said something very interesting about uh, Chip England after the game. So Jeremiah Robinson Earl had a very slow start to the preseason. Did not look really good in the preseason. I had a really good rookie year, I believe. Um, had a, had a uh, just surreal summer league where he came out, his body looked totally different. He was he was being more physical. He was getting on the glass better in summer league. He looked the part of what you want to see from your second year player in summer league. And then the preseason came around. It was just kind of not what you were expecting or not what you were hoping for. But then in this game on Sunday, he really had a good outing. 15 points in this one, three assists, two rebounds, a steal. He went three for four from three and did not miss inside the arc. Went two for two from the free throw line as well. Uh, Jeremiah Rumpsnerl can be a really valuable tool. Now, I don't think that starting long is in his future long-term. I don't think that will be a long-term starter for Oklahoma City. What I do think is that he'll be a long-term kind of top 10 guy in your rotation as a guy who can give you versatility defensively uh, to an extent. Uh, Hopefully gets better in drop coverage defensively in the pick and roll, which is, of course, what 99% of offensive uh, sets are based out of in the NBA's high pick and roll. So hopefully he can get better at the drop coverage aspect of things. But his three-point shot, is something that I was, I've been telling you and telling you and telling you, and you've probably gotten tired of hearing it, uh, that I thought was going to come around his entire, you know, so far in his entire short NBA season. It was something I was very high on on draft night even for Jeremiah Robinson or his three-point potential. And he flashed that in this game on Sunday. Now, granted, the Wolves were not respecting him at all to shoot the basketball. And to this point in his career, he's kind of deserved that. But I've been telling you and telling you, the process is there. The results aren't. The jump shot is good. He has the ability to make them. It just has to actually fall in the ring. And on Sunday that, that it did, he was asked after the game, what kind of made you get in that groove? And he pointed directly to Chip England and said, over these last few days, I've gotten to work with Chip England, um, you know, a lot more. And what he said about Chip England, I think kind of heightens or highlights why he is, I think, the best shooting coach in the NBA. He said that Chip England does not believe that there's one way to shoot the basketball. He wants to make the way that you shoot you know, and, and simplify it. And I think that that's huge. Having a coach that does not want to take anything away from you that is natural, that's comfortable, and believes that he can doctor and fix whatever you like, I think will go a long way in getting more players you know, better at shooting the ball. It's it's the same thing that you see in baseball, right? If you have a hitting coach in baseball, it just won't let you wiggle the bat before you know, you know, and get your timing down. 
he thinks that that's just dumb and takes that out of your out of your uh, you know kind of batting stance. That isn't necessarily going to you know result in success. It was my way, the highway type of stuff. I think that what Jeremiah Robinson was, was kind of trying to explain, and I think that you know by simplifying, I'm kind of taking the word simplify and doing a lot of legwork with it. But you know, how can you get the way you like to shoot down to just the necessary movements? And in that, your timing gets easier. In that. You know, the shot goes down faster and quicker, and, and, you know, the shot goes off quicker. We can get it off, you know, under pressure, right, because you're taking away those unnecessary movements by getting it simpler. I think that that's a big deal rather than, hey, they've brought Chipping in. He's going to change the entire way that people shoot. And I think that we've seen some of that in the offseason where we take every little video of, of preseason, you know, runs, you know, of, of – of kind of off-season runs in, in different random high school gyms, and we're like, whoa, is he shooting the ball a tick different? Is that ball just raised just a, a hair above his head compared to where it was last year? Is his thumb just an inch inside where it was last year? We're looking for all these little things, and what's what honestly might be happening is stuff we cannot see, stuff that it's just un, unseeable to the untrained eye that he's just made more simple from what they already had been shooting like before, and that little simple fix has gotten and garnered a lot of results percentage-wise. Uh, maybe that's kind of the key to it. But I, I, th- I like the way that he explained that of you know, Chipling, Chippingland, despite his incredible accomplishments and bona fides of being able to truly overhaul guys' jump shots and guys' ability to shoot the ball, does not believe it's kind of his way of the highway. He just wants to simplify what you are doing with your shot and how comfortable you are in that shot. Also, huge credit to Mike Muscala. He was very good off the bench again. Second straight game, he was good off the bench. 11 points in 11 minutes. Nine rebounds, one for three from three. Had a couple tough mid-range shots even uh, that were good to see drop. Uh, and he was he was a good example uh, of playing well in drop covers last night. Um, and, and maybe he can be a guy that kind of teaches that to the other bigs on this roster. But coming up, I want to talk about Trey Mann and how he was better than his box score showed. Is Lou Dort coming around? Josh Giddy showed those flashes before he got hurt of what I was explaining about how important his rim finishing is. And... This Thunder team is just so much deeper than what it used to be. We'll talk about all that coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. But first, I want to say right now about our good friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is incredible, folks. It is the place for you to go and the place for you to experience daily fantasy sports. It is really, really fun. My favorite part about Prize Picks, and you can go there, put in the code Locked On, and get a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars is that it's just you versus the projected number. So take tonight's game, right? Let's say that you have Kawhi Leonard over under 20 points. Okay, place your bet. Do you think he's going to score more than 20 points or less than 20 points? Then all you got to do is sit back and watch. Does he, in fact, score 21 or does he score 19? Which one is it going to be? And you cash in based upon your bet in that way. So they give you the projected numbers. You don't got to worry about you know not knowing as much as a professional better that goes into your daily pools and just kind of makes the perfect lineup with all the great value. No, you don't have to do any of that. You just got to sit back and watch the game that you're already going to watch and have some little fun on the side with it uh, in terms of the projected numbers of who will score, how many points and assists and rebounds and blocks and steals. They have it for every number you can imagine, plus every sport, NBA, college basketball, college football, NFL, NHL, everything that you want, they have it at Prize Picks. MLB, you know, with the World Series coming up. Check it out today. Prize Picks, code locked on. 100% deposit match up to $100. So check it out today. This is Jake from Locked On. 
Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Stiles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. And now, check out the Game to Game Podcast whenever this one's over, because the Game to Game Podcast is going to be the biggest storylines of every NBA game the night before in 30 minutes or less, honestly, probably like 20 minutes or less, because it's going to be a one minute clip from every single locked on host about the game. They just watched their team play what the biggest storyline is from that game. So in this game for the thunder against the Timberwolves injuries, right? How do the thunder move on now Whenever they have four of their top four guys injured and what kind of uh, difference makers do they need to see happen? Right. That's the biggest story. And if, a, if a big story from around the NBA grabs you, you can go check out their full podcast episode about that story the next day, you know, in, in that same morning and listen to it and get caught up to date. It's, it's a great way to keep you involved in the national landscape of basketball. Cause I know that if you're committing 82 nights out of the year to watch the thunder, it's tough to commit to even more basketball whenever you have your daily life and job and families and everything else. So we try to make that easy for you with the game to game podcast on the locked in NBA feed. Also check out locked in NBA for a national podcast about the sport itself. And thank you so much for making Locked On Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Now getting back to talking about Thunder basketball, Trey Mann. You know, Trey Mann was asked to do a lot this game, obviously with, with no SGA. But then he's asked to do even more with no Josh Giddy. And the box score, it does not leap out at you. The, the box score does not scream, great game from Trey Mann. 10 points, 3 assists, 3 rebounds. 0 for 6 from 3. That's the glaring one. But I've been telling you, it's about the process over the results, and this is a key game, which I mean. If you watch that game, and if you watch Trey Mann, he was dancing out there. He was creating separation. He was creating good looks that he can hit. He can hit those step-back threes. And if he was on this night and, and made four of them, we would think that he is the best player to ever walk the earth. But since four of them didn't rim in, they rimmed out instead, now we now we have questions about his ability. No, that, that, that should not be the case. He was generating good looks for himself and good looks for his teammates, and, and the shots just didn't go in. But he was able to get that separation in all three levels you know, and use his body at the rim even to help score, but especially the three-pointers. He missed a lot of open threes that obviously he believes he can make, and he's shown in the past in different games in, the, in his rookie season that he can make those caliber of shots. And so whenever you take away the – I will say this. I think that without debate – Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, Chet Holmgren, Josh Giddy, and SGA, your four best offensive players. Now, you can talk about J-Dub versus Lou Dorton, who's like the fourth best overall player, but I think that there's not really a debate that they're your four best offensive players. So you're down your four best offensive players, and then you're leaning everything on Trey Mann. You're just leaning it all upon him. And, of course, with offensive, you can debate him and J-Dub as well. But nonetheless, 
You know, it's, it's all on him. You know, the offensive guy, he's the only pure bucket getter on the floor. Uh, he's really one of the only guys that can legitimately create um, for you in the half-court set. Like, a lot was put on him. And he did, a good, he did a good job of getting himself open and others open. It just didn't fall. It just didn't work out. Uh, but I think he played a lot better than, than he did. And, and whenever you start to add some of those pieces back and you start lessening that load onto him, he gets even better and more efficient, I believe, uh, as time goes on. But I think that he deserves a lot of credit for what he did in this game. Alou Dort, 20 points, 2 for 7 from 3, 40% from the floor, 6 for 6 from the line. I think he did some good and some bad in this game. I, I, I think that this was the best game of his season, obviously. I think that he still took a few too many threes um, that would have liked to see them get more into an offensive flow than just having him shoot the three. But that is very kind of ticky-tack kind of stuff. I think what he did an excellent job at is that he had more awareness in this game of the situations. So, for example, Anthony Edwards scored 30 points in this one, but he got in early foul trouble, tried to attack Edwards, tried to attack Edwards, tried to get him fouled out, but he couldn't do it. Credit to Edwards. He, he credit to Edwards. He played disciplined. He didn't foul out. And when he got in foul trouble, he kind of reined it back in. But it was good awareness by Lou Dort whenever you're down all these great offensive weapons and it's kind of you and Trey Mann, and it's kind of like a, a, an awkward flow to it, try to attack Anthony Edwards and take that advantage that you can get uh, or any advantage you can get in this one. So he did a good job of that. The three-point shot, two for seven, a lot of those look, a lot of those shots that he missed looked a lot better. Just, they just looked a lot more like, oh, that one could have gone in than what we've seen in, in uh, games past this season, the two prior games. Uh, three rebounds, two assists, two steals. It was funny, after the game, he was asked what makes Anthony Edwards hard to guard, and he said, uh, well, he has Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert, which I don't think is shade at Anthony Edwards. I think it's the truth. Like I think that if you ask Anthony Edwards, he will say, those two guys make my job a lot easier because they can set those screens. I mean, how often did Russell Westbrook tell everyone about how good it was to have Steven Adams who can set these hard screens and free you up and, and get a switch for you and, and make your life easier? It does not mean that Anthony Edwards does not just dominate the Thunder. He did. He dominated the Thunder. He, he, he was able to, to get the better of Lou Dort on a few occasions. Like He was really good. But that's a good explanation for, hey, you got to realize that this is no longer just like straight up Anthony Edwards isolation on Lou Dort. Like he now has guys that can, that can get him freed up and can help make his life easier, which is all uh, that, you know, that you kind of dream of your Minnesota when you make these trades to get these bigs. You know, you just trade in to get Rudy Gobert, and of course you already had Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, but Rudy Gobert, of course, the the screener in these settings a lot of the time. And then also, before Josh Giddy got hurt, the rim finishing looked real. I mean, it looks really, really good. He is already 10 percentage points better than he was last year. As of right now, it's at 67% uh, at the rim. Uh, I think that number will, go, will continue to climb, honestly. But there was a play in this one as he goes for 10 points, 5 assists, 2 rebounds, and 45% from the floor. There was a play in this one that I think that truly entails exactly what I've been saying. So whenever I'm telling you, hey, look, this rim improvement is important for him and his game. It can make his passing better. A good example of what I'm trying to convey is there was a play last night where Josh Giddy has his man, gets his man on his hip, and that Minnesota defense respects Josh Giddy as a driver so much that because Josh Giddy uses his body properly and has his man on his hip and is going to get a look at the rim, they slide over and help defense, and now Giddy is double teamed at the at the rim, and he dumps it off to Kenny Hustle. And so, with that double team and Josh Giddy's incredible passing ability, you get a wide open Kenneth Williams layup. So, putting pressure on the ring like that for Josh Giddy 
will be very important because he has those attributes of a guy who can make those last second dimes on, on a on a backdoor cut because of the double team or, or whatever the case is. Or if Kenny Hustle even stayed in the corner, like I think that Josh Kitty is so good that if Kenny Hustle went back to the corner after his guy rotated, he can hit Kenny Hustle all the way in the corner because he's that talented of a passer. Get, getting that pressure on 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 the rim and having the defense kind of respect you to that point. It's kind of the same thing as respecting a jump shooter, right? How many times we've with the gravity of, hey, with this jump shooter right here, I'm not going to go help at the rim, so it's going to free up the lane for people to cut and drive and do all that fun stuff. Think of that in reverse, right? Like I just mentioned, if Kenny Hustle wouldn't have you know, kind of cut, which is a good decision, by the way, but if he would have flattened out to the corner, then I think that Josh still could have gotten it there, and then you have a wide-open corner three, even. Another great option. So there's two great options on one play just because of how improved Josh Giddy is at finishing. And that comes from experience, comes from filling out his body, and it comes from using his body a lot better uh, you know, a, a, as a weapon for him to kind of give space between him, his defender, the ball, the rim, everything, uh, and finish through contact a, a lot better this year as well. Plus, we've talked about the easy ones, right? Like if it, you know, as that floater starts to continue to hit, and eventually he gets a lob threat back like a Chet Holmgren. <laughs> you know, then the pick and roll, is, is he going to shoot a floater? Is he going to throw a lob pass? Is he going to have a dump off pass? What is he going to do when he's up in the air? That that many options gets defenses on their heels and really allows you to find a, a mismatch or an advantage on the offensive end. And it's hard to come by right now for this Thunder team. They ha- I think that they truly have um, a good defense and good defensive players. Uh, they've got to find matchups and and opportunities on the offensive end. And that's one way that they can do it with this improved rim finishing from Josh Gideon and how important that is for OKC. It's also important to note that the Thunder are 3-0 against the spread this year. Barely, though. They were 10.5-point underdogs yesterday in the Paycom Center, and they uh, lost the game by 10. So they are 3-0 in the uh, spread category, despite being 0-3 overall. And bet online is your number one source for betting needs for football, basketball, NHL, boxing, everything else that you can desire. And so if you want to get involved on betting on sports, if you so choose responsibly, you can go to betonline.net, go to the NBA, and then you will be able to bet on every game that happens. As of right now, there's no line on the Thunder Clippers game because they got to wait and see kind of who's going to play, who's not going to play. But you can bet on other games like the Warriors and Nuggets and everything else on Tuesday. Plus, you can still bet on future bets, such as, you know, who will win MVP and all that fun stuff. Go check it all out. Bet online, plus World Series, NFL, college football, all that great stuff. BetOnline.net right now. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you for making Locked On Thunder your first listen every single morning. Every single day, we're here for you. Talking Thunder basketball. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reaction, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on Odyssey, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcast from. And quick reminder, Tuesday's show will be a total mailbag episode. So either go to Twitter, 
at Ryland underscore styles or leave your questions on YouTube to be answered on the show. I want to talk more about this game real quick and discuss Jalen Williams out of Arkansas getting his first NBA minutes in buckets. <laughs> he, he got four points, two assists, six rebounds, two for four shooting, two fouls and seven minutes of play is kind of the reason why you have not yet seen him take a, on a larger role. Uh, I think that the screens are nice. I'd still like to see some harder screens uh, in certain scenarios, but he's, he sets overall really good screens uh, for the Thunder. But defensively, he drew a charge in like the first two minutes of being on the floor, which was incredible, and what his calling card was in the in, in, in the NCAA ranks, and he ranked number one overall in NCAA um, for for charges drawn. But overall, it's tougher for him to guard these bigger teams without fouling, and so it goes back to that conversation of, you know, if you know that he's going to struggle to foul and knows he's going to struggle kind of against these matchups, what what is development versus what is throwing a guy in the fire? And that's, that's I think that that's a conversation that would be very interesting to hear, like hashed out if you can give like all these teams truth serum uh, of kind of what their ideology is and philosophies are regarding that. Uh, but overall, for his first minutes in an NBA game against a tough, tough matchup, I, I was encouraged by... Jalen Williams, I think they'll spend a lot of time with the blue this year. That's just a guess. As, as a pure guess, I think that we'll see Jalen Williams with the blue a lot this year out of Arkansas. But overall, nice uh, look for him in his first NBA game. Now, Usman Jang did get a lot of run. Five points, six rebounds, three assists, a steal, two blocks, but two fouls in 23 minutes. Honestly, two blocks, two fouls, and having to deal with a much tougher matchup like there was times he was, he was defending a power forward uh, in this one uh, it is a really nice effort and offensively. Despite uh, the misses, he looked very comfortable. Like he had the step back open three, the contested corner long two, and the floater that all just looked in rhythm and in in kind of a natural element for him. That that I think was important to see him have that level of comfortability. Also, he dunked in this game, which I know a lot of people uh, you know uh, wonder about with him dunking in that preseason game, or rather, I should say, not dunking in that preseason game too much. Now the Thunder got down twenty two. And once again, started slow. I, I would like to see a game where the Thunder start fast, although this game had a lot of reasons why they started slow, namely not having SGA at all in this game. But they did get down 22. They never held the lead. And like I said before, the game kind of felt like, oh, man, they get within nine. Okay, now it's four. Uh, now it's nine. Now it's five. Oh, uh, now it's back up to like 15. Oh, now it's nine again. Now it's four. Ah, uh, now it's 15. Now it's 10 in the game, right? That's kind of the game that it felt like. Like they could keep, Given a counter punch to the extent, but Minnesota had a counter counter punch, if that makes sense. Minnesota had 11 more rebounds. This is the first time I believe that they've lost the rebounding battle. Yeah, it'll be, they'll be two and one in the rebounding battle. The Thunder will be after they lost this one by 11 boards. The points in the paint started out horrendously for the Thunder. Ends up being 60 to 54, so they kind of made a, a comeback on the points for the paint category. Uh, the second chance points actually goes OKC's way. Second chance points goes OKC's way, 19 to 17. Fast break points goes OKC's way, uh, 19 to 11. The Thunder had five fewer turnovers and still lost by 10. Both teams shot under 30% from three, but Minnesota had those timely, timely bench triples that really extended this lead in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter setting. Minnesota also made over half of their shots in general because they were shooting a lot from the painted area. Carly, I mean, uh, Anthony Edwards, amazing. 30 points, uh, one of seven Timberwolves in double figures. Also, speaking of Carly Towns, that behind-the-head pass was incredible uh, that he made. Uh, so the Wolves had uh, seven in double figures. OKC had six. 
Anthony Edwards was just incredible to watch. You know, it was fun to watch him play in person. Uh, the bet of the day was OKC plus 10.5, 3-0 against the spread, but the Thunder lost 116-103 to fall to 0-3. And the MVP of the game is Jeremiah Robinson. So again, Tuesday is a mailbag podcast. Drop your questions below. Wednesday, we're going to recap the Clippers game. Tuesday is a stock watch episode of everything Thunder in around the NBA. And Friday, we're going to recap that Clippers game as well. So if you have questions, drop them down below. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.